For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Rochelle, and this is the Bay Area Podcast here on the Bleed Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Citra Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. You can find me personally at Rochelle Radio on Twitter. On this week's show, we'll be talking about some NFL football as the San Francisco 49ers have a matchup over the next few days. Before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field once again. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more props, odds, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football-related. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Betting Barrier Podcast. Now, before we went on break, we previewed what we're going to do for this week's show. Once again, talking about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming matchup over the weekend against the Chicago Bears. But... We got to recap how we did last week, and we ended up going 1-1. One and one. We won with the Colts plus the points. Thought it would be a really hideous but close game. That's exactly what we got. However, because of that, I'd say, prediction, we also took the under because we thought that, A, with the fact that both teams don't have many weapons offensively, you'd see a lower scoring game, and B, there was some projections regarding awful weather, and that's an understatement. It was a damn monsoon out there. And yet both teams somehow managed to combine for 48 points as the game went over. So ended up splitting. It's overall fine. You got to take the under in those type of weather games. And unfortunately, they don't always pay off. But either way, we were right about the Colts. Unfortunately for the Niners, we were hoping they would win the game just by less than three and a half points. But instead, they lost the game outright and really didn't look great in the process. So they are now two and four as they are in Uh, Third place in the division, half a game ahead of Seattle. But either way, uh, looking at the Bears last week, they somehow played even worse than the Niners because they are 3-4 and now. They got absolutely embarrassed on the road against the Buccaneers. They're not the only team this season that A, has been embarrassed by Tampa, and B, that's going to be embarrassed by Tampa. But when you lose 38-3 and you're down really just a bunch of, after a quarter, you're down 21 points 15 minutes in. You couldn't get a stop. You couldn't do anything. And the only reason why Tampa didn't score about 50 on you was because Tampa took their foot off the gas because why wouldn't they? They were up 35-3 to at the half. But Chicago, Nagy's still somehow there. I don't really know why. We all think that he's an abysmal coach. I'm not sure who even thinks he is a good coach besides uh, the general manager in the front office because you ask Bears fans, I'm sure nobody likes him. And you ask, really, does any football fan, I'm sure they'll all tell you Nagy's a terrible coach. But the point is, he's still there. And the Niners, before we get into the actual uh, breakdown of the game against the Colts, uh, from an actual stats perspective, it's time we have a conversation about Coach Shanahan. Because I just mentioned how everyone thinks that Nagy's an awful coach and that he's still around. That's kind of the consensus, though. Everyone knows he's 
pretty much a dead man walking, and he's going to get fired at some point in the immediate future. Shanahan is the opposite, where he has created quite a Twitter, I don't want to say a Twitter war, but there's a lot of, there's a couple of different camps associated with Shanahan, where some people think he's very good, he just doesn't have much talent around him, especially with Jimmy G being the scapegoat in that example, as they think that he's an awful quarterback, and the 49ers would be solid with Shanahan if they had somebody new behind center. Doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers, but somebody who's just better than Jimmy G, which I can somewhat understand because of the fact that I don't think Garoppolo is any good, and I'm sure San Francisco fans held out hope after he brought them to a Super Bowl, but even with him bringing them to a Super Bowl, quote-unquote, did he really do anything? Because Mostert ran for about what felt like 4,000 yards against Green Bay in the NFC title game, game against Minnesota. You also barely had Garoppolo throw the ball. So I'm really not sure how much of a factor Garoppolo had in that Super Bowl run. Everyone remembers the overthrow of Sanders on the post pattern uh, in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, which might have won them the game. But either way, I'm not a big Jimmy G guy. I'll be straightforward with that. I think that he's very limited physically. Doesn't have a great arm, not that mobile, and his pocket presence is disastrous at times. So I'm not a big Jimmy G guy. I'm not sure if Trey Lance is the answer either. Uh, I think that he's definitely a project. I didn't expect him to play this season, and the only reason why he did was because of, I mean, start, because he played a couple of times in some random packages. But for the most part, I figured he would get the year off, and he was going to before Jimmy G got hurt and get the throw-in Lance there for a start against Arizona and he looked awful because he's clearly not ready to be the starting quarterback in the NFL. But that's Camp A, which is really blame Garoppolo, blame uh, blame the supporting cast, blame even uh, the GM, uh, Lynch, for not really doing much with recent draft picks and kind of spare Shanahan. And Camp B is Shanahan had one good year, but it's an anomaly. You look at every other year he's had, and his teams have been awful. And that is fair if you go by the records. It's also fair if you keep in mind the fact that his teams don't really seem well-coached a decent amount of the time. Now, some of it's injury-related. Like last year, I'm not going to hold it against Shannon. The entire team died against the Giants in about week three. So I'm going to throw last season out. There's really nothing you could do. When you're starting the likes of Mullins and you're expecting to win games, it's not going to happen because Mullins couldn't even make the Philly roster last season. I mean, during this past uh, preseason. So, yeah, I'm going to throw last season out, but I do think that it's an interesting conversation between Niners fans regarding who should be at fault for the recent struggles for the Niners. People want to blame Shannon. Truth is, I'm going to blame John Lynch. I just think he has to do a better job. I get that he had the phenomenal fleecing of of the Bears, for Trubisky, they got a couple picks, they traded down one spot, what did they do with that pick? They ended up drafting Solomon Thomas, has he been any good? Not really, you can go down the line of what Lynch has done, he did hit a bit of a home run there with Elijah Mitchell late uh, in the draft last uh, this past offseason because he's now starting for them, but they also drafted Sermon in the middle rounds and he's been playing a little bit but really a non-factor, but just going down the line of Lynch's picks, They've been okay. I don't think he's really done a great job drafting. Ayuk was supposed to be really good out of college. The truth is, I never really liked him out of Arizona State because he was coming off an injury, and he really seemed like a big player bust guy. He proved me wrong his rookie season because Ayuk was phenomenal, and then this year, 
He's just been non-existent. I don't even know how to describe it. He's completely just fallen off the cliff. I know that there's a thing called the sophomore slump. It's a slump. It's not supposed to be a six-week period where you're just a complete non-factor in the offense. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. Of course, you still have injuries. Kittle being out hurts. Mostert being out is brutal because we know that he's the best running back on the roster by far. You're missing a couple defensive guys as well. But I do, if you're asking me which camp I'm in, I'm in camp A. I'll defend Shannon. I don't think he's that bad, but I'm really not a Garoppolo guy. And I do think that uh, the GM should do a better job of drafting more consistent talent who's ready to contribute uh, in the immediate future, as opposed to some potential projects that might take a couple years to develop. But anyway, didn't want to go on a brief rant there, but I kind of had to because I did see that there was a lot of discussion about it all over Twitter, etc. So I do think it was worth talking about. But anyway, going into the actual... A matchup against the Colts, Garoppolo, shocker, was not very good. 16-27, 181 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Also had that brutal fumble in the third quarter, which basically handed Indianapolis a free seven points. But three turnovers, not great. QBR, 7.7. Yeah, that's not good. But you can also blame the weather and talk about how you really couldn't move the ball at all. But that excuse doesn't really hold when the opposing quarterback, Carson Wentz, the passing yards was not there. Because of the weather, he had 150, but he had two touchdowns and no picks. He had a pick, and then it was turned into a fumble. It was in the red zone. It was a really brutal play. But either way, with that, when still at a QBR of 82.7. So he was about 75 QBR better than Garoppolo. Carson Wentz, people have roasted for a while. If you're being outplayed that drastically by Carson Wentz, and you expect to lead this team to a division title or a playoff spot... The 49ers have themselves a problem. Now, from the ground game, Elijah Mitchell was great. 18 carries for 107 yards, one touchdown. He was fantastic, except it seemed like the 49ers just stopped giving him the ball in the entire second half. The Garoppolo strip sack fumble was really just the sign of things to come because of the fact that going into that drive, the Niners had a pass play, a pass play, a pass play, another pass play, and then the fumble. So they didn't even run the ball one time on that drive, which made no sense to me because Mitchell was having himself a field day and Garoppolo is going to do Garoppolo things. I didn't trust him at all. When you're playing in the middle of a monsoon, the main rule is don't turn the ball over and Garoppolo turned the ball over a lot. So that's kind of why they lost the game. But look at the receiving core. Once again, it was Debo Samuel and nobody else. You had Debo who had seven receptions, 100 yards, one touchdown. He was fantastic. Other than that, one reception from Sanu for 16 yards. Charlie Warner had two catches for 30 yards. You just have no production from any wide receivers here because the depth is terrible, and I've mentioned it in the past. This wide receiver depth, I'm not even talking about Kittle being out because Kittle's a tight end. The actual wide receivers on the depth chart are absolutely terrible. Brandon Ayuk, one reception, six yards. Come on, man. Get it together. There's really not much else to say. He's been just a complete non-factor, and Samuels by himself is on an island, so it is what it is. Somehow he keeps producing. I'm shocked other teams aren't just triple-teaming every play because nobody else can do anything, but either way, that's going to sum up the game. I'm not going to blame the defense. What are you supposed to do? I know a couple of times Pittman burned them on pass interference plays as well as some touchdowns or even just long receptions, but when your offense is doing absolutely nothing and you give up a short field or two, 
I'm not going to blame you. It is what it is. I'm not blaming the defense for that performance. I'm blaming Garoppolo on the offense. But the Colts offensively, I mentioned Wentz's numbers. Jonathan Taylor, identical numbers to Elijah Mitchell. Same amount of carries, same amount of yards, one touchdown. Uh, He was fantastic once again. Wentz had a rushing touchdown as well, so we actually had three total touchdowns in that game. Pittman was great, four receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. Not to mention about the 70 yards of pass interference penalties that he drew, that he ended up bringing in. So if you want to include those, he had about 170 yards. So he was unbelievable. And Moel Cox had three receptions for 25 yards and a touchdown. Pretty solid red zone tight end for the Colts. But either way, that's kind of my takeaway for this game. Uh, not really much else to say. Debo Samuel did have that one fumble. So if you're going to be playing terrible weather and you turn the ball over four times, you're going to lose about 90% of the time. And that's exactly what happened with the Niners. But looking at the Bears over the weekend, uh, well, over last weekend against the Buccaneers, this is just absolutely hideous. But were you really surprised that Tampa killed uh, Chicago? Because Chicago's a terrible football team. But Chicago's 3-4 and four. somehow. They're a lot worse than 3-4, and four, believe me. But anyway, I mentioned Gar- uh, Garoppolo's terrible numbers in bad weather. It's time to look at Fields' numbers in weather that wasn't really great, but definitely was more manageable. Justin Fields, 22 of 32. For 184 yards, you know, it sounds okay, not many yards, but decent completion percentage. Zero touchdowns, not great. Three interceptions, was sacked four times, and he also fumbled the ball. Uh, which, he fumbled the ball twice. I'm sorry, he fumbled the ball three times, and he lost two of them. So, he had five turnovers with no touchdowns, was sacked four times, and at a QBR of 1.9, one of the worst quarterback performances I've seen all year. Now, you can blame Chicago and Nagy and the offensive line. I get it. But Fields was taking some really stupid shots during the course of the game. I'm just going to say it. I know that the Tampa Bay defense sent a lot of blitzes and made life miserable for Fields, and half the time, Chicago just really wasn't blocking enough guys to pick them up. But Fields has to do a better job of just getting the ball out of his hands quicker. He's got to know, at least based on what he's seen in the first quarter or so, they're sending the house. You should probably get rid of the ball faster, but five turnovers and four sacks with no touchdowns, absolutely brutal. Now, Cleo Herbert actually had a pretty good game. 18 carries, 100 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. I actually like him. I think he's a good running back. Now, Damian Williams was supposed to be the backup once you had the injury to Montgomery. Montgomery should be back in probably a couple weeks, if not a month tops. So I do think you're going to see uh, the same thing that we've seen before. Herbert, I don't think, is going to be the main guy, at least clearly by himself. I do think they're going to go back to a timeshare after Williams missed a decent amount of practice during the week with COVID, came back. So I he only got three carries. I think that was just because he wasn't fully acclimated to the offense, maybe a bit rusty with the layoffs. I do think you're going to see a bigger split, closer to 50-50. I think Herbert's more talented, so I think he should get more carries, but... Either way, the ground game was actually decent. Maybe that's a sign. But looking at everything else, the receiving core did nothing because Fields did nothing. Uh, Yeah, the two fumbles by Fields, awful. And now it's time to talk about the defense because they had zero sacks against Brady. They also forced one turnover on downs at the one-yard line. So they did a pretty good job there of really just... In avoiding a 45-3 to loss, but nothing else really changed, and they forced one fumble on Ronald Jones. Shocker, because Ronald Jones fumbles every damn game he's in. 
But either way, Chicago was awful from start to finish. They got embarrassed, and the game was over after the first quarter. So both teams are not exactly in great form, but looking at the actual spread and total for this matchup, the 49ers are favored in this game by about 3.5 to 4 on the road, and the total is 39.5. Now, first glance, total 39.5, you're thinking, I gotta like the over because that total's too low. You'll find ways to score in the NFL. Are you sure we're going to find ways to score in the NFL? Because the Niners offensively are not good. Chicago offensively stinks. And I do have questions with regard to Chicago moving the ball. And also, Chicago defensively was missing a decent amount of guys last week. I know Hicks didn't play. You're looking at the secondary. They're missing some pieces as well. Chicago's banged up right now. And I do, right now, question how many of those guys are going to play in this one. I'm taking the Niners. I just think Chicago's a terrible football team. I, I think that San Francisco is not necessarily good, but I think they're still better than Chicago. There's a levels to this. And Chicago, based on the how the offense has played, might be a bottom three offense in the entire league, with no exaggeration. I know record-wise, you can talk about some other teams, but I think Detroit's offense, which is 0-6, 0-7, just as a team, I think that offense is better than Chicago's offense. I think Houston's is worse but they're also using a backup quarterback. So you can talk about how if Tyrod Taylor comes back, they'll look better because they actually look decent for the first couple weeks. The Jets are a lost cause. We know that. But that's basically it. Chicago's offense is terrible. I think they're barely going to move the ball. I think they'll probably score 10 points in this game. Maybe, maybe 17. But I doubt they'll get to 17. I think they'll probably finish with around 13 in this spot. And I think the Niners will find a way to get to 20. So I think you'll see a hideous game. But I do think... The Niners will run the ball relatively well. I think Samuel will have a good game again because nobody can stop him. And I think the Niners will win this game 20-13. to 13. So once again, I like the Niners minus 4, and I like the under 39.5. But that has been this installment of the Ben Maria Podcast. Bye, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.